Good evening and welcome to January's Book Club, where the panel is reviewing John Grisham's The Whistler. The panel, as always, is Jean Fairburn, Felicity Radcliffe and Alice Goulding. Now, I've looked up some reviews. The first review was the New York Times' Janet Maslin. John Grisham has now written 29 legal thrillers and fought harder for truth, justice and the American way than anyone this side of Superman. His values don't change and neither do his tactics, but the Grisham formula hasn't got old or older. When he's on his game, as he is with his latest The Whistler, it really works. His novels for adults are likely to appear in October as Falling Leaves involve some form of injustice. They reveal things about the law that many readers probably don't know, and they do not make it difficult to tell good from evil. Bad equals the death penalty. Good equals those of whom it can be said they were smart and unpretentious, didn't make a lot of money, but were dedicated to their work. The Whistler is a huge improvement on the book that preceded it, last October's Rogue Lawyer. That one was so reminiscent of Michael Connolly's Lincoln Lawyer that there was reason to fear that Mr Grisham might be running out of inspiration. Maybe he just needed a break from his long string of male protagonists because the main character in The Whistler is a seriously appealing woman, Lacey Stoltz, an investigator for the Florida Board on Judicial Conduct. Through a long string of amazing coincidences, this book winds up pitting Lacey against the Honourable Claudia McDover, a Florida gal who just appears to be the most corrupt judge in the history of America. The issue of overseeing judicial ethics might be enough of a hook on its own, but Mr Grisham involves all of his book's characters with the tracts of Native American land that has welcomed gambling and the way it exists outside Florida law. The small Tapacola tribe has welcomed a group of mobsters known as the Coast Mafia to indulge in unlimited development in tribal land, despoiling nature equals terrible in exchange for a share of the casino's profits. None of this would have been possible without the help of the aforementioned judge, who had been contentedly accepting monthly cash bribes at the start of Mr Grisham's story. The whistler refers to a whistleblower who secretly calls attention to corruption. If the corruption involves the kinds of crimes being committed by the Coast Mafia, including skimming and laundering the casino's cash and hiding money offshore, not to mention the judge's transgressions, the whistleblower may receive a cash reward. But we don't know this person's motives. Throughout most of the book, we don't even know who or she is. We just know that Lacey has been contacted by an intermediary, an ex-con who lives on a nice boat, uses a fake name, drinks beer to Jimmy Buffet music, and turns up to play the informant now and then. The book starts innocently enough with a formerly married Lacey living alone and enjoying it while Hugo Hatch, her fellow investigator, struggles to make ends meet with a wife and four children. Their home base is Tallahassee. The casino development is also in the Florida panhandle, though closer to Penascola. The book's urban villain, a mob kingpin calling himself Von Dubose, has named one of his many gold communities there Rabbit Run. If this is a reference to John Updike, it's a strange one. Lacey and Hugo are close enough for Hugo's stressed-out wife, Verna, sometimes to enlist Lacey as a babysitter. But the mundane disappears 
of Zelacy and Hugo get a mysterious summons from a source. He would like to meet them in a remote spot near the Tapacola Reservation late at night. For safety reasons, they should never have agreed to this. For the book's purposes, it's a major shot of adrenaline. The stakes suddenly become much higher and the suspense tightens after a relatively slow start. Lacey soon realises what a dangerous situation she has gone into and like any Grisham hero, she is anything but cowed. She is more determined than ever to get to the heart of this realm of corruption and the rest of the book digs deeper and deeper into an elaborate crime scheme. It is much worse than anything Lacey has ever imagined, let alone encountered. Events and revelations are what keep Mr Grisham's books moving. It's unlikely that anyone looks to him for sheer style. Without exactly being repetitious, he makes his story longer than it has to be. He's terrific with short fiction and his collection, Ford County, made so clear. And the dialogue can be generic, to put it mildly. As in, it's a complicated story and it only gets better. You seem to know more than you're willing to tell. And the classic, that's not enough time. Followed by, that's all we have. Despite the bits of leaden language, Lacey does manage to come to life on the page. The Whistler also a strong and frightening sense of place, painting part of the panhandle as a lawless region where terrible things might happen, and do. And Mr Grisham deserves credit for dependability. He is at heart an optimist who believes that wrongs can be ferreted out and righted. We could use a little of that these days. And now... Over to the panel. Well, ladies, John Grisham's The Whistler. I started to read it. I've always liked John Grisham. I always used to read him when I was on holiday on the plane. It was always a John Grisham book because he gets you from page one and it's always very exciting. But I'm afraid I've got to put a thumbs down for this book. I found it boring. I found the characters too many. I couldn't get into the characters, so I didn't read it. So there you are. So that's a very, very short review. So, who recommended it? I believe I believe it was me. Um, I recommended it without um, without having read it. I think I think the discussion during the last program was that we tended always to read books by female authors. Yes. So we decided to a pick a male author. Yes. And we perhaps pick a different sort of book from the ones we've been reviewing recently. So then let's start off with you then, Fliss. So what are your thoughts on it? Okay, well, I found it um, very procedural. I found it, it, for me, it felt like reading a sort of report of a police investigation with a bit of kind of place and and characterisation and fictionalisation thrown in. Like you, it didn't, um, it didn't particularly grip me you know I didn't find the idea of a corrupt judge to be particularly shocking or engaging and um, I guess my main feel about it was I found the characters um, very um, very sort of one-dimensional so I mean you know I'm sure listeners have been listening to the program uh, know that I'm I'm 
big on um, characterization, the characters are the most important part of the book for me. I found these guys, they didn't go through any sort of arc, you know, they appeared to be the same at the end of the book as they were at the start. As I say, they were they were fairly sort of flat, if you like. So I couldn't, um, I couldn't really identify or particularly care about um, about any of them. I guess the exception to that is when the accident happened, no, the accident in inverted commas happens. And obviously one of the characters meets with uh, a dreadful fate. I was a bit more engaged, at the, I'm trying not to put any spoilers in. I was a bit more engaged at that, at that point, but for the most part, I didn't particularly care what happened to any of the characters. As writers, we were always told to show rather than tell. And um, for me, there was a lot of tell in the book, i.e. he just says, you know, so-and-so's got brown hair, so-and-so, we were repeatedly told that uh, the main character is beautiful, even though she's had to cut off all her hair and everything. But it's, it's kind of done in quite an obvious way, I think. I thought I thought there was things things that could have been more interesting or could have been made more of. So I think the whole Native American angle, I thought that had the potential to be quite um, novel and different, but I don't think he really went into that enough or explored it enough. So I would have liked to have um, learned more about actually you know, how the Native American angle really affected the whole um, story and made it different. But um, that wasn't quite explored in enough depth for me. And I found that, I, for me, the outcome was never in any doubt. You know, I was always looking for where's, where's the twist coming? And there wasn't really any twist that I could perceive. And when the ending came, it wasn't... A surprise to me in any way. Having said that, having said all those sort of fairly negative things, I thought there was some real realism in it. You know, the bit about when um, when the men parked the truck in front of the store and got caught on CCTV. You know, that's the kind of stupidity on which many many crimes rely to get resolved. And I found that quite realistic. You know, I think mistakes like that are made um, all the time. So that was quite interesting. I thought you got a bit of a sense of place there. You know, there was a sense of what the real Florida was like as, a, as opposed to the Florida, I don't seem to say Florida, I do apologise, the Florida that um, we perhaps see as tourists. This was kind of going under the skin of that and sort of showing us what that part of the world is perhaps like if you um, live there. So that was quite interesting. So that 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 was all good. Um, it kept me reading to till the end, but I can't say that it particularly gripped me. Um, and in particular, I can't say that I... I was enthralled by any of the characters. Have you read any of his other books? I read, many years ago, I read uh, The Firm, which I think was his first major bestseller. Yeah. And I, I quite recall enjoying that, actually. Mm. So, um, you know, I wasn't. it wasn't like I was, I was anti-him. Yeah. And perhaps I'll read some of his other books to see if 
you know, this was maybe just a bit of a, you know, he he was on a bit of an off an off phase when he wrote this book. But yeah, I I I just was a bit underwhelmed by it. Um, as I said earlier, I read most of his books. One of them was The Painted House, which has got nothing to do with the law, because most of it is about law because he was a lawyer. And I, as I said, I, I enjoyed every single one of them. But this one just left me absolutely cold. I thought, oh, I can't be bothered to continue mm -hmm. with this. Anyway, let's go over. Thank you very much, Fliss. Now let's go over to Jean. What did you think, Jean? I was rather like yourself. I was, I couldn't get past about 10 pages. I didn't want to. What I found, being that I was taking a different tack, what actually put me off was the fact that in America, every 29 states have a death penalty. And they are very, what's the word? They're very, um, they're full of jails. I mean, even California, which you think is pretty laid back, has got the death penalty. Or anywhere that hasn't got the death penalty is New Mexico. So um, I think that, First of all, put me off because it's a whole different ball game because you might be condemned to death. Oh, and it's so different from the European system. It's just weird. And so I went off on that one. I couldn't get I couldn't get past this death penalty lot. That was it. Stymied me completely and utterly. And it, I found it so kind of well boring, really. I mean, and you've got all the American language like condos. What's a condo? Sounds like a bird, but of course it's a flat. It's a flat, yes. And um, it's just so different. Why would I read it? I thought so. I didn't. Well, did you have you read any of the others? As I asked Fliss. No, <laughs> I know it's written by a man, and that's instantly didn't appeal to me. And it was just so formulaic. I mean, you. So the fact it was written by a man and also an American put you totally off. Well, yes. Not that I don't love Americans because I was over there recently, of course. Okay, well, that was quick, short and sweet. Even <laughs> I think mine was the shortest one. Welcome back to part two of January's book club, where we are reviewing John Grisham's The Whistler. Okay, let's go over to um, Alice. What did you think, Alice? Uh, well, it was a John Grisham, wasn't it? It was. <laughs> it no, was it wasn't. I wouldn't agree with you. You see? Oh, do you? oh right. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. I mean, it was. It, it it was. I thought it was quite similar to his other books. Um, I agree with Fliss. There wasn't any twist to it. It was it was a linear a linear story that went on and described what happened. You know, it, 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 it was quite interesting in some respects. I didn't know anything about the casinos and um, how the uh, the American Indians um, run a lot of gambling things, and they're allowed to do it. They're sort of it, it's a, like a legal thing that they're allowed to get away with, whereas other places aren't because it's on their land they can get away with a lot more than... so I didn't I didn't realize any of that so that was all quite interesting yeah the the the, the characters yeah the 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 lady the, the lady investigator she I thought she was quite good and um, but yeah as Fliss said she didn't really have a character arc um I was a little bit upset at when when one of the characters had a bad end because of the family involved and everything but again that had a little bit of a red herring in that as well. It sort of, it implied that the, the 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 widow was going to sort of get nasty and all the rest of it, but they turned out to be quite nice in the end. So again, that was a bit misleading. I don't know. I I, I did read it to the end. Um, I did enjoy it. I I sort of I did feel as if I was doing my homework reading it. I have to say. 
Um, <laughs> I mean, I have I've read a few of his books. I my personal favorite is the Pelican Brief. I really like that one. I read the client and I didn't like that one at all. Um, I thought that was very violent and not very nice, not a very nice book at all. I did read, um, Fliss mentioned the, uh, what was it called? Um, Skipping Christmas. Yes. Yes, I read that, I did read that one. And I just got so annoyed reading this flipping book the whole way through it because um, it it was just, all the neighbours expected him to buy a Christmas tree from them and do this. And they deliberately decided to skip Christmas because their daughter wasn't going to be there and they were going to go away on a cruise instead. And yet the neighbourhood expected them to do all the Christmas things. And it was like, really? Do you, you know, it's none of nobody else's business if they don't want to buy a Christmas. So I was getting very annoyed the whole way through this book. So, so again, but that was, that's, I suppose that's sort of small time America, isn't it? They're exactly, exactly. Very judgmental on their neighbours. So I did find that book rather annoying, but I didn't, I didn't get, I wasn't quite so annoyed with this one, but I wasn't, I wasn't riveted by it I it yeah it, it was very procedural and it was all about how the they investigate judges and it was all um and all the legally bits and all the things that they have to do to prove to prove it and how they get 35 days that they've got to investigate it once it's gone to the judge and all this bit so it was all it was all very procedural I mean if you like if you like that sort of thing you know it it's great if you if you want a massive thriller with lots of it with lots of you know twists and everything it's it's not for you and um the uh what was it there was one other thing I was going to say um it's gone out of my head I'll I'll have to I'll have to think about that one but yes no I mean it yeah um it was all it was it was all right um as a book but um not terrible not terribly gripping I didn't think Right, so it's hands down, really, from us all to a certain extent. <laughs> okay, so what else have you been reading? Uh, well, I was very interested to see there's a TikTok book club, isn't there? Is there? Yeah, and um, they have uh, classics. They have, um, I think they're reading Jane Austen at the moment. Persuasion, mm-hmm. one for mm-hmm. you, Alice. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're going. Oh, and they had Richardson's Clarissa, which is the longest book in the English language evidently and it's written in the epistolary form which is letters through letters like um anyway TikTok yeah they've got a book club which is um universal you just sort of join it TikTok's not had a very good press for some reason which I can't quite remember because they're not uh, monitoring their input I think anyway so there's a um, universal book club on TikTok that you can join and pontificate on. So I might have a look at that. And have you been reading any other books? Well, I've got Mantle, Virginia Woolf, and that Middleton guy. The guy that does, well, he was a sass person, wasn't he? He does survival. He's got a book out, so I might read that because he's had no other reason. (laughs) I have to, um, if you ask me what I've been reading, I have to go and look at my Kindle and remind myself. So I've recently been reading actually off Kindle, um, a book that was um, given to me by uh, somebody in my local pub who thought I would enjoy it. And it's called A Week in December by Sebastian Folks. Mm-hmm. You know, Sebastian Folks who wrote um, Birdsong. Uh, yes. And um, this is um, set in 
I think 2007, so just prior to the financial crash. Mm-hmm. And it's a really savage satire, um, but it's got a range of really interesting characters in it. You know, just an absolutely evil sort of um, financial kind of hedge fund manager, I think. Uh, oh, for, for about half a dozen different characters. And if I if I spell them out for you, you think, oh, they sound like just sort of archetypes and sort of, um, but actually they were well fleshed out in the book. And it's just a, a sort of a, amazing satire about um, a sort of state of the, the state of the nation as told through these set of characters who are all in London in the same week in December. And um, yeah, I would thoroughly recommend it if um, if people want to sort of take a little bit of a look back and say, actually, where were we back in 2007? And right. hasn't anything very much really changed? Right. Um, it's almost sort of Dickensian in it in its so in its um scope and in its sort of satire it's a bit like um almost like reading a Tom Sharp novel it's it's very funny in places so I'd highly recommend that and for my um my other book club that I'm in off radio um I wrote read the first in the series of Outlander books by Diana Gabaldon. Is it Gabaldon? Is that how you pronounce it? I think so. I don't know. Um, which was an 800 plus page. Oh my God. It, yeah, it was very, very long, but completely, completely fearless. You know, this woman will write about absolutely anything. You know, if I tell you that at one point her main character meets the and eyeballs the Loch Ness monster, you know you would you you will realize you know that there 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 is it's a time shift novel, and there's nothing that she's too scared to write about, and some of it actually is quite quite hard to read. I I don't consider myself particularly shockable, but there was a few bits where I thought, wow, this is this is really quite quite disturbing. Mm. Um, but it's been made into a TV series, which I'm sure listeners are probably thinking, oh yes, you know, that's been around for ages, but I only just discovered it. And apparently the TV series is very faithful to the book, so that must be quite hard-hitting as well. It's a time-shift novel which shifts into the Jacobite period mm-hmm. from, um, I think, the post, just after the Second World War, was it, I think? Anyway, um, yes. but it was it was an entertaining romp, but quite an extensive romp at 800-plus pages. So, it, And how long did that take for you to read? Oh, Felt like felt like forever, but it was quite an entertaining, an entertaining sort of ride, if you like. Do you read one book at a time, or do you read more than one book at a time? I usually read one book at a time because so I, how long? So how long did it take you to read it then? If you you only read it, I probably probably in elapsed terms about um, two weeks. But sometimes I read five minutes at a time. Occasionally, mm. I get time to read for an hour, but mm. not that often. So mm. it's just all in fits and starts with me. Okay, fitting it all in right. life as I guess we all do. We're now going to hear from Alice. 
Right. Um, well, yeah, I've remembered the the last thing that I was going to say about the John, John Grisham novel. Yeah. And that was yeah. it. It reminded me a little bit of Dan Brown. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I thought um, that partic- that particular book reminded me of a, of a Dan Brown book. So, um, I mean, it was easy read um, and, you know, but uh, very sort of procedural. I, I think it appealed to men more than women, I think, that particular book. Okay. Um, can, can I just yeah. say I totally agree with you when I was saying that he's um, he was he's into tell don't show that was very reminiscent of um, of Dan Brown for me. Okay, all right, Alice. Well, what are you reading at the moment? Apart, um, from- well, at the moment um, I'm reading T M Logan, um, mm-hmm. which is a, a psychological thriller, which is actually going to be one of the books that I'm going to do. We recommend that we read for next time but I've been reading quite I've been reading some Sue Moorcroft as well which I quite I quite enjoy her her novels and um, I've read a Trisha Ashley as well I love her books and I read Sarah Bennett she writes about um Cornwall it's called Mermaid Mermaid Cove books so she writes a series about a village in Mermaid Cove um which are, are, are quite nice they're nice they're nice easy read books um so I've read all those and then <clears throat> and I've finished what what else have I finished reading I've just finished reading a Jane Austen um just to sort of keep keep my ear in for the the sounds of Regency so I've just finished reading and um, Persuasion again I've read it a few times but I quite like that one so um yeah so the book that I wanted to suggest that we read for next time is called The Catch. Now Fliss says that this is actually a series on Channel 5 at the moment um, so that would be quite interesting um, to, to see, she's going to watch it and see um, how, it, how it pans out um, but Tim Logan, he's written, so the, the, I've read a few of his now, I read The Holiday which um, was, a, was, a best, was, best, was a bestseller um, his most recent one I think is called The Curfew and that's about a teenage, his teenage son. He thinks his teenage son has come home from a night out. He's got to be in by 12 o'clock. So he peeks through the door and sees it looks as if his son's in bed. But as it turns out, it wasn't his son. It was his cousin that was sleeping in his bed. And it sort of all goes downhill from there because um, a girl goes missing. One of the schoolgirls goes missing. One of their friends goes missing. And it all kicks off so that that was a really really interesting book um and another one I've read of his is called Trust Me which uh starts off really interesting uh, a lady she's a lady sitting on the train she's just got back from an IVF clinic to find and she's just had the results to say that she can't have children and she's sitting on the train and this young girl this girl gets in with a baby and a and a backpack and sits opposite her and they start talking and then the girl's phone goes and she says oh do you mind just holding the baby for me while I answer the phone so she says oh yes that's fine so she holds the baby and the train pulls into the station and then she sees the girl get off the train and leaves her holding this baby so it's a it's a fantastic it's a fantastic thriller that one so I really enjoyed that one so I think um TM Logan is definitely well worth a read and he's written a few now so um you know if you like that sort of thing I think he's a he, he would be a good one to read so yes yeah, so I I'd like us to read The Catch for next time 
if that's okay with everybody. Okay, that's fine. What was that book again? Trust Me was the one. Trust the Me it was called. I think it was called Trust Me. Written by? T.M. Logan. Is this the one, The Baby on the Train? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Trust me, Jim. Okay. Yeah. These were. These are. These are. I, I've read them. I've just read. I've just read them recently, and I've just because I just because I found him and decided I really liked him. He's yeah. a master master of tension and suspense. My goodness, the 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 tension, and you're reading it, and you 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 just it's like a page turning. You've got to go on to the next page to find out what's go, going to happen next. Right. Okay. And come the re, the twists are very good in them. So if you want a nice twisty you know tense suspense but suspenseful novel um yeah i would definitely recommend tm logan okay i'm just going to go into a short commercial break and then we will be back welcome back to part three of january's book club with me sue rodwell smith and our panel jean fairburn felicity radcliffe and alice goulding uh, we have reviewed the whistler by john grisham and we're just now talking about books that we are reading at the moment well, the book I'm going to read next is Billy Connolly, Tall Tales and Wee Stories. Now, I absolutely adore Billy Connolly, follow everything he does. I did read his wife's autobiography about him, which I found terribly boring. I thought her writing style was was just horrible. I didn't enjoy reading the book at all. But my friend um, said, look, so you, you love Billy Connolly, so read this book. Because as you read the book, it's him talking. And um, she said, you will have a good laugh. So that's what I'm going to be reading next. And I'll also go and get Trust Me Then by Logan, because that sounds really interesting. Okay, ladies. So next month, then we're going to be, we're going to be reviewing The Catch by T.M. Logan. And Jean, are you going to enjoy this? This is written by a man. Uh, I think I will, yes. Um, there are good men writers. I mean, male writers. Sebastian Fox, for example, wrote also the uh, French Lieutenant. Um, brilliant. A bird song is wonderful. So there are good writers that are male. Good. I'm glad you agree. <laughs> but, um, but I'm not likely to read American males because they've got a whole different set of language or a different set of cultural norms. They've got the death penalty, which I'm not, you know, for or against utterly, but it's just such a different society, and they've got guns. Yeah. And uh, you'd think they'd be a safer society, wouldn't you? So what they're... nationality is T.M. Logan? Oh, no, he sounds Irish, but I don't <laughs> No, he's British. He's, he's British, British also. Yeah, British Oh, good, good. There you are. So you'd be able to read it then. Okay, ladies, uh, anything else on your minds? Um, um, I just wondered, has any of you, uh, all this hype about Prince Harry, have any of you decided to read his his book? I'm not going anywhere near it. I'm, I'm not interested in the royal family. Really I'm not going to read it, but I just wondered if you guys were. I know you, you're you quite interested in them, aren't you, Sue? Is, is really yeah, I, I love the royal family, but no, I wouldn't touch that book with a barge bomb. Um, I'm, I'm unlikely to read it because I love fiction. And you might you can might you might argue that there, there's some fiction in there. I believe there's a lot there. of fiction in there as well. But, um, <laughs> but I, I I do I do you know I have have limited time like we all do. So yeah um, yeah. I think um, is it really to give my time it, to that? Isn't it really expensive as well? Well, it's it as soon as it went out, it went down to half price. So it was twenty eight pounds, and they were selling it for fourteen. Oh, the hardback, but it's meant to be the fastest um, non-fiction book selling. So I don't know. I don't know. 
I'm not at all interested. So uh... go away, Prince Harry, and have your lovely life with your wife and children and just stop whinging is what I would say. Well, also, before we go, I wanted to mention to the listeners that we had our awards ceremony at uh, Hunting Community Radio uh, last week, and I gave out um, six awards, and three of them went to these ladies here. Jean won the Poem of the Year Award for Miss Havisham. Alice won the Story of the Year for the Clockwinder's Daughter, and Felicity won the Special Award for all her work she puts into uh, script managing Huntsford. And it was a very successful evening, and... um, I hope you enjoyed it, ladies. Thank we you. did. And, and yeah, we also, we, we've decided to give you a little certificate, Sue. Um, oh, no. It's called the Midas <laughs> Touch Award. Um, so for being the most innovative producer of 2022. So congratulations, oh. Sue. Oh, thank you. That's very <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> How sweet of you all. Okay, so uh, next month in February, it will be, as I said earlier on, the catch. The catch, not catcher. The catch. Uh, by um, TM Logan. Ladies, have a good evening and thank you very much for joining me as always. Thank you, Sue. Thank you, Sue. As regular listeners know, Huntington Community Radio have a strong drama department where we support local writers. We air stories and poems during Scribblers Hour every Friday evening from 7 to 8 p.m., children's stories Monday to Friday at 6.50 p.m. and a story at midnight on a Sunday. We also review novels on the last Monday of every month at 7pm in Book Club with our regular panel. The Fuzzy Monster is a debut children's book from the pen of Vicky Clark, who I'm delighted is on the line. Hello, Vicky. Thank you so much for taking the time to chat about your book. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you for having me. That's, that's quite all right. So The Fuzzy Monster. Well, well, well. It looks fascinating and a very, very interesting story, I am sure, because it uh, talks about epilepsy, which unfortunately you had, but I understand you've now overcome that. Is that right? Uh, That's right. Yes. Yeah. I haven't had a a seizure since um, 2008, I believe. That was the last one I had. And in fact, um, one of the reasons I wanted to write about epilepsy, one that doesn't last forever, is because quite a few people don't realise that you can actually grow out of epilepsy, you know, as your body changes or hormones change. So it can kind of mysteriously disappear for some people. Right. Well, I must admit that's new on me. I really thought that once you had it, that was it. So that's excellent. But anyway, let's go right back to the beginning where you uh, grew up in Cambridgeshire (laughs) and you went on to study for a Bachelor of Art degree in illustration. And I have seen your illustrations. They are rather wonderful. And then you've got a Master of Art degree in children's book illustration. So were you always clever at uh, painting? I've I've always loved painting and drawing. I think I was drawing and painting before I could write. (laughs) (laughs) Excellent. And so why did you get, why was it in particular children's illustration that you were interested in? To be honest, we had a family friend when I was growing up who was a children's book illustrator. Um, He wrote some books as well. And he actually used to um, work in my parents' barn. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I used to I used to love his work and see that all in action. Yeah, it just seemed like a natural route for me because when I draw and paint and everything, I like to paint figuratively and I like to naturally make stories. And so when I saw that, you know, somebody could actually create art and put it into like sequentially for a book, uh, that seemed like a very natural um, path for me to go. When you started writing, when did you decide I'm going to write a book? Was this before you went to the Galapagos or after? So because I studied children's book illustration, 
And then I think actually on the um, illustration course as well, um, we did quite a lot of creative writing. So I've done lots of writing over the years anyway. And I, I've, I've, I've always enjoyed writing and reading, like right from childhood and all the way through. Uh, when it came to studying my master's degree, quite a lot of the projects really lent themselves to having a story already. Or um, as I like to do, I like to create my own stories to then illustrate. So um, it's, it's just kind of de developed from there, really. It's just years of kind of practice and in, in enjoying it, but then developing it into something uh, more skillful. Tell me about the Galapagos, somewhere I would love to go before I depart from this earth. What made you go in the first place? Is this is this somewhere where you always wanted to go? Did you have a fascination with the animals of the glass? So I'm very passionate about animals. I'm also interested in conservation and things like that. But the Galapagos in particular have their own animals that you don't see anywhere else on the planet. Yes. And um, I mean, the scenery is, is like nothing else. You know, it's just so blue and colourful. They do have small towns and they have people living there. It's one of the only places which is very much sort of untouched by man compared to nearly the you know the rest of the world and it was there that you had your first seizure technically yes um i had my very first seizure actually when i was 17 but i was told that i hopefully wouldn't ever have another seizure again <laughs> that it was a one-off however yes I, I very unexpectedly had a seizure it was actually when I was in Ecuador so before I got over to the island and that came as a big surprise to me and to people I was with <laughs> well, very frightening it was the thing is when when you have epilepsy you don't actually realize when you've had a seizure all you can feel is is, is the effects that's um, happened to you after you've had one it's very disorientating and when your mouth hurts and you feel you know you've got a big headache and things like that you think I think something's happened, but I'm not 100% sure what. And so, you know. So, uh, so you didn't get any warnings before you have a seizure? Sometimes get a, a funny sort of sensation. Um, mm -hmm. In fact, the, the reason why the, the fuzzy monster is called the fuzzy monster is because it's it built around a sense of aura, which some people get before a seizure, where they yes. feel warm and fuzzy. Um, some people see colours and stuff like that. So the idea is the monster is based on a sense of aura. So when I've had a seizure, I've felt otherworldly, as it were, so not not quite right, sort of suddenly very warm, and then and then I don't remember anything. Because I understand that dogs can um, be trained, can't they, to tell people there is a, a seizure coming on? Yes, yeah, absolutely. And when, and when I was poorly with epilepsy, one of my mum's dogs actually became very attached to me. Yep. So, so sensitive, so, so sensitive. So when was your last seizure? Many, many years ago now. Okay. So do you think, have you been told you've now grown out of it? I've been told that I'm no longer classed as epileptic because it has good. been so long and I don't need to be medicated for it, which is good. But I am always very, very careful with the way I live my life and look after yes. my health. Yes, I can imagine. Okay, well, let's go back to the fuzzy, fuzzy monster because that's what we're talking about. Yeah. And it involves a little boy called Maddox. Was that right? That's right. Yes. And how old is Maddox? So Maddox is 11. And you say it's bright and boisterous, his life full of friends, dancing and skating. Okay. Yeah. And then one day, a mysterious illness threatened to take that away. And only his little sister Tilda knew the truth. So tell yeah. us a little bit about the story then, how it all evolved. The idea is that, you know, Maddox is a, is a very um, fun-loving, vivacious character. You know, his little sister looks up to him all the time. They love to do lots of things together. Very, very active, both of them. The idea is his little sister, Matilda, can see, she can actually see the monster and talk to it. And then she manages to get the story from the monster and find out what it's actually doing with Maddox. To her brother. 
So they said the, the fuzzy monster is the aura you were talking about earlier. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. So, so it's the idea. That's where the ideas come from for the monster, anyway. And uh, he's actually a very friendly monster. He's not a big scary monster. He, he's in the story to basically protect Maddox. Okay, so Matilda, um, she is very friendly with the fuzzy monster, so she helps the fuzzy monster. So is she helping her brother to cope with this um, illness? Um, yes. Yeah, she does, um, because she, she she tries to tell her brother, you know, about this monster and um, right. how he's friendly and how he's helping him. So to, to make him feel well, uh, more, more accepting about what's happening to him and hopefully not as frightened. Yeah, she's also got um, kind of, you know, perceptive or almost, you know, supernatural powers because right. she can see this, this creature. Yeah. And is it a happy ending without giving us the ending, of course? It is a happy ending, yes. That's lovely. Okay. Very and this is um, also available from Amazon. Is that right? It is. Yep. It's on Amazon. Amazon. It's on Amazon. The usual, the usual uh, yeah. online book. Yeah. Amazon. There's there's also one called um, uh, the Great British Bookshop. They're actually a company which are based based in Peterborough. Finally, you say you want this book to help uh, youngsters with epilepsy. So, how do you feel this will help? Well, it's not necessarily just the youngsters either. It's the families affected too. There is actually a guide to um, as to how to help Maddox in the back of the book. So it is a kind of loose guide on, on what to do if somebody has a seizure. The idea is it's to, is to try and like soothe the worry, sort of uh, break down sort of the, the, the taboo and the, the mystery surrounding epileptic seizures, you know, because I, th I think certainly when people either have epilepsy or they know somebody close to them with it, um, it can feel like a very isolating experience, whereas actually it's a very, very common illness unfortunately yeah. yes um, yes yeah and so it's, it's just to try and get people talking about it to open up you know communications and to make people realize that you know somebody with epilepsy that they're not scary don't stay away from them you know help them well that can only be a good thing vicky thank yeah. you very much for your time vicky you take care no, now. thank you so much thank bye you bye so for now bye-bye this is a reading from the fuzzy monster written illustrated and now read by Victoria Jane Clarke, published by Leshenault Press. Hello, I am Maddox. I'm 11 years old, and my mum describes me as lean and gangly. I can't sit still. I love skateboarding and street dancing. I'm also really popular at school, and I'm lucky to have loads of friends. I have a mum, dad, and little sister, Matilda. She's five and I like to set up pranks in her bedroom. She comes street dancing with me and she's actually pretty good for a little sister. I let her dance with me. People like watching us and it's fun. One grey Wednesday in January, I was at the skate park where I go every Wednesday after school. My mum and her friends always meet us there. Nothing unusual had happened during the day, but while I was skating, I felt very weird. A peculiar warm fuzzy feeling came over me, and I felt a bit sick. When I woke up, there was a crowd gathered round, and Mum was face to face with me. She looked worried and said, Look at me, darling, tell me your name. I looked into her eyes and squinted. My head really, really hurt, like the worst headache ever. Maddox, Mum, my name is Maddox, why? I answered. My mouth felt dry and fluffy, like cotton wool, but I could taste copper. Mum continued to talk to me, but I found it hard to keep up with her. I looked over to my left, 
and I saw blue fuzz out of the corner of my eye. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed the reading.